Good morning, everyone. Here's some good words to listen to as we begin. I love this song. Come find your mercy, O sinner, come kneel. Ruth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your burdens. Lay down your shame. All who are broken. Lift up your face. What a great word for us today. Come home. You're not too far. Lay down your heart. Here's the key word. Lay down your heart. I'm going to be talking about that today. What does it mean to lay down our heart? I was using this song. This song was one we used in worship Sunday morning at Udall, uh, at the Udall Methodist Church where I'm pastoring. And it, it, it just, it's been in my heart. It's just been going through. It, it has so much to say to us, that song does. And the Word of God today is uh, coming to us from Luke chapter 8. And we will be, we're going to be looking at, at our hearts today and, and just asking some really hard questions. And I'm going to invite you, as this song does, this song is, is kind of the beauty of the gospel. Come lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. We're going to look at that phrase, come as you are and lay down your heart. We're going to bring those out as we look at the gospel today. So thanks for joining joining me. And I see Dennis on here. I don't know who else has joined yet. I saw that name. I'm going to just kind of fade this out and and just let it go. Man, I love that song. Um, we're going to see if I can get this live video to pop up here as you're joining in. Um, and it's not wanting to let me in. Maybe it will. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, hey, do you have a cup of coffee or iced tea or soda or whatever? Grab one. Uh, Vicki Woolbright, thanks for watching today. Uh, this morning, I've got a cup of Starbucks Thanksgiving blend. Just just love uh, all the different varieties that Starbucks comes up with. So I stopped on the way into the office this morning to grab this. And uh, inviting you to take a look. Vicki and Judith, thanks for joining me today. If you have a Bible with you, and you should, this is Bible Study Live. Open it to Luke chapter 8. We're going to get there in just a minute. Um, just, just wanting to, uh, to invite you to, uh, to hear the word of God this morning with new ears, with fresh ears. I mean, this, is, this passage that we're going to be reading is one of the most often read, preached on parables of Jesus. You've heard it a thousand times probably. And, and I pray maybe somebody joins in or hears this at a later time even who's never heard it. Uh, who's just going to find the gospel today. Um, they find this video out there on Facebook and, and really find the gospel. So I'm really taking to heart the importance of this message today, this, this study time that we have. And, uh, and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to really open your mind and open your heart to what the Word of God has to say to us today. I'm even going to be talking about what that means when we say the Word of God. 
So uh, if you're here with us today or whether you're joining us from some other time just watching this on video, thank you for joining and uh, just just really I'm humbled that you're here, I'm humbled that you want to study the Bible with me. And I want to invite you to just join in every week. We try to do it at 11 a.m. on Thursdays every week. And uh, join me in any other teachings that we have. If you have some, uh, if you have some thoughts uh, for me, I'd love to have your comments. Uh, just, just love it. You're welcome, Judy, who wrote, thank you, uh, Pastor Brad. I just would love to have your comments. Always, as we're studying together live, this can be a dialogue. If you have a question or a comment or a thought, just type it on screen and I'll do my best to read it and respond as we're studying. But I promise I'll respond later. If I, if I miss it during the study time, I'll be happy to respond later. So um, let's prepare our hearts. Let's open our hearts by praying this morning before we study. There is a prayer card. Some of you I know have that used to be with me live in the classroom. And others, they're actually on, if you click on the page you're li listening to today, you're watching Brad Riley Ministries, click on Photos, and you should be able to find this card. It's a prayer called the Prayer Before the Study of Scripture. We use it every week. I love it. It is just a beautiful prayer. So let you have just a moment to get that. And then we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. We'll be looking at the first 18 verses, verses 1 through 18 today. So if you have your card, let's begin with prayer. Illumine our hearts, O Master, lover of all humanity, with the pure light of your divine knowledge. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may understand your gospel teachings. Implant deep within us the fear of your blessed commandments, that through them we may conquer all carnal desires and may be transformed to live, both thinking and doing the things that are pleasing to you. For you, O Lord, are the light of our souls and bodies, and unto you we give all glory and praise together with our Father, who is from everlasting and the all-holy good and life-creating Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Love it. So thank you for uh, praying that with me. Uh, I did not get a uh, did not get the audio going here, so give me just a moment to get the audio going here and make sure that we're all set. And I'm not; it's not wanting to come up. I'm not sure why it's not wanting to come up. Um, well, as I'm doing that, let's talk about the fatigue. I know you all are feeling. Um, are you feeling the fatigue of? post-election, what I call post-election fatigue. It is, uh, it, it is real. It's a real thing. You know, I had, I had, a, I had election advertisement fatigue. I was so sick and tired of all of those, uh, political ads. Uh, but now that they're over, we have, uh, to wait to see the final outcome of the election. It's still being, uh, counted and tested and and there's lots that could be said about that, but you don't need me to say that. Uh, let's just open our hearts to the Word of God. And uh, Beverly and Jennifer, uh, thanks for joining in today. And uh, we're just getting started. So make sure you've got your coffee. Make sure you've got your, uh, your favorite drink, whatever it is. Make sure you have your Bible. Make sure you have a notepad 
you know, active students of the word. Always have a notebook or a notepad or a journal and just underline things and make points and, and write down thoughts that you have. And that'll help you also to be able to ask a question at a later time. Uh, or during this broadcast, I just love it when you ask questions. So if you're there with me, let's look at the first 18 verses of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. Soon afterward, he went through cities and villages, preaching and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd came together and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trodden underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew, and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while. And in a time of temptation, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bring forth fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a vessel puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand, that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hid that shall not be made manifest, nor anything secret that shall not be known and come to light. Take heed, then, how you hear, for to him who has will more be given, and from him who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Wow. So much there. Let's begin with this thought. Let me start with a little definition for you here. This is a parable of Jesus. And he, and he says, Jesus says right there in, in verse 10, he says to you, meaning to his followers, he said, you've been given the right to understand the secrets, the, the, the opportunity to have the secrets of the kingdom of God explained to you. But to others, it's just going to fall in parables. 
Now, what is a parable? Well, it begins with the word in Greek. This is the Greek word parabole. Parabole. P-A-R-A-B-O-L-E. It's pronounced parabole. It literally means it's not just a story. Okay, although it is a story. It's, it's a story. There's two definitions to parabole that are fascinating that come together here. It's a story that is thrown down alongside something. So we throw it out there as a comparison to something. It's a comparison, in this case, to the truth that Jesus is preaching. So his parable is thrown down for everybody to consider. But it's also defined in Greek as, as an opening up of oneself to danger. That's fascinating, isn't it? That by, that by opening our minds and our hearts to the parables, the words of Jesus, we're opening ourselves up to danger. It's a, it's a good danger, though. It's a danger that will change and transform us. It's the danger of the gospel. It's the danger to be embraced and to be loved and to be transformed and to be changed. It, it's, it's a power that's going forth from the words of Christ. So, a parable. It's a fascinating thing. Often told as a story, often told with metaphorical meanings or, or sometimes as an allegory. In this case, this is an allegory. This, an allegory are, is a story that has other characters in it and each of them, or other characters, or shall we say things, that each of them have a different representation. They represent something in reality. So it's an allegorical story. But it has great and deep meaning. But let's begin at the beginning of the chapter and see what we can learn about who's there, what's going on, and why does Jesus tell this story now. It says, soon afterward, Okay, he's been ministering through uh, the villages around the Sea of Galilee. And it says soon afterward, he went through cities and villages. So this is, this is a time where he's spreading out. He's taking the gospel further into more cities, more villages. Cities and villages, there's a little difference there. A village could be very, very tiny. A city meaning a bigger place. So he's... And he's going out and he's preaching the good news of the gospel. The good news of the kingdom of God, it says here. The evangel, the Greek word evangelium, the, the gospel of God. It means the good news of the kingdom of God. And there is with him, it tells us, the twelve. Okay, so this is, the, remember, a couple of chapters ago, he went up on the hillside and he spent the night in prayer and he gathered together then the twelve that he had chosen and it says along with the 12 are some women who had been healed. These were people who had been ministered to by Christ, whose lives had been changed, and they are still with him. They've given up their lives as they were and are spending the time with Jesus going from village to village and town to town. He tells us a few of their names. Luke wants us to know a few of their names. Mary Magdalene. Magdalene is, it means from Magdala. Magdala is a village just a, two or three miles to the east, I believe, of Tiberias, which is right on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's sometimes called the Sea of Tiberias. And, and so Mary is from Magdala. Uh, then it says there's also uh, 
And it tells us very importantly, Mary was someone who was healed of seven demons and evil, evil spirits. Several, seven demons had gone out of her. She was healed of these evil spirits. Now, think about that. Seven, that's a very important number. Seven always is, is a number that speaks of completion. It's, it's the perfect number. In other she was totally and completely healed of anything that could, uh, could, could take her down in this demonic oppression. Um, so it does not, notice that Luke does not tie her back to the last chapter. He does not tie her back to the woman who was, uh, who had been forgiven greatly, who loved Jesus, was crying and anointing his feet and wiping with her hair. Some have tried to tie those together, but Luke does not do that. He also says that there is Joanna. Joanna is the wife of Chusa, and we, he identifies Chusa by name because he says he's Herod's steward. That's King Herod. So a steward in the household of Herod would be a very important friend to have because you always knew what was going on then. Somebody on the inside of the, the government, if you will. And uh, Joanna is mentioned by name for that purpose, uh, to tell us that she's Herod's steward. And Susanna, interestingly, we don't know anything about Susanna. She's not mentioned in other places by name. But then he goes on to say, and many others. So it's not that Jesus has just three or four women around him and the 12 apostles. But says there's many and many others who have, and, and here's the fascinating part. It says that these women, these others, if you will, and that others could possibly include other men, of course, too. It just says others. Provided for them, provided, in other words, for the apostles and for Jesus, out of their means. Beautiful example of the itinerant preacher of the gospel, the, the, the missionary who's going around and preaching and teaching. He's left his means of production, his means of providing. He's not earning a living, but he's out sharing the gospel. And God always takes care of those who are committed to his kingdom and the preaching of it. So I take great comfort in that as a called minister of God. Here are these these people that are providing for them for three years, they went around the countryside just sharing the good news of the gospel. They needed someone to help take care of them, to buy food, uh, to do the things that were necessary to provide a place for them to sleep from time to time. So that's the, and it also says that then in verse four, a great crowd came together, people from town after town. So everywhere Jesus is going, there's crowds following. This is the scene we always see with Jesus, always drawing a crowd. And it says that he began to teach them in a parable in verse 4. He began, and so he tells this parable that we now know is a story that he's throwing down to go alongside the truth. What truth? The truth he's been preaching all along and everywhere he goes. This parable is a parable of the kingdom of God. He's about to show us, as he did them, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. Because everywhere Jesus went, his version of the kingdom, he preached the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within you. But it always looked different from what they were expecting. They, remember, the Jewish people were always expecting a kingdom to come in physical power, in political power, that would overthrow the government of the day. 
and give to Israel and all Jews their rightful place at the top of the world, as so to speak, if you will. That's what they thought. That's what they thought the Messiah's role was. But they should have known better. We know they should have known better from the word of God. Had they really heard the word as it was from the prophet Isaiah and so many other prophets. So let's look at this parable carefully. There are in this parable four kinds of soil. It talks about the parable of a sower. This was probably very fresh for them. They may have been walking, standing out there, and there might have been a sower right off to the side, throwing, you know, scattering the seed onto the ground. And maybe that's what brought Jesus' mind to say, you know, the kingdom of God is like that sower right over there. Some of the seed that he throws out, it's going to fall in different places. Every sower, every farmer, every planter knows that not all of the seed is going to come to fruition. Not all of it is going to fall where it needs to fall. Probably there are two purposes. I'm going to give you two purposes for this parable. Number one, it's a warning. Jesus is going to show us where it's a warning. But number two, I think it's an encouragement because probably these followers are getting discouraged because everywhere they go, they're met with opposition. The Pharisees, the leaders of the Jews are opposing them at every turn. And it's getting more and more dangerous the further they go. So they're discouraged. Is there any fruit to what they're doing in this three-year journey with Jesus? Yes. The answer is yes, there is. And Jesus wants to encourage them. And this thought about the sower does encourage us of that. So even though the, some of the seed's going to fall on these, these uh, four different types of soil, some of it's going to grow. And there's the encouragement. Always there will be a harvest. Jesus is teaching them there will always be a harvest. Think about your life for a little bit. Before we talk about all of these types of soil, think about your life for a little bit. Um, as you're going through life, I mean, it can get life. Let's face it, life can get really discouraging. We, we've been discouraged by politics. We've been discouraged by uh, pandemics. We've been discouraged by, uh, by uh, health failures. We're discouraged by so many. We're, we've been discouraged by job loss. Been discouraged by economics. So many things that can discourage us. We need some encouragement. This word from the gospel today is powerful encouragement. And it's a warning and it's an encouragement. So let's keep that in mind. So let's look at this, uh, these four types of soil. The, the parable says, and Jesus just lays it out. It falls along, uh, first of all, it falls along the path. It falls along the rocks. It falls, it meaning the seed, it falls along the thorns, and it falls on good soil. So four different things, places it falls as it's scattered. Now, if we go forward to verses uh, 9 and 10 and 11, Jesus just begins to, uh, to explain the parable. So we'll go through that. But not without saying in, in verse 10, he says, To you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, the secrets are just in parables. Uh, 
so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Jesus is actually quoting the prophet Isaiah, loosely quoting the prophet Isaiah there from Isaiah chapter 6. Um, let, me, let me give it to you real quick. I don't know if I marked it, but I think I can. I, in, in Isaiah 6, it says this about the kingdom message of the Messiah. Uh, I think I have it here. Yes, verse 10. You may listen, and he said, go tell this people. You may listen and listen, but you will not understand. This is what Isaiah is supposed to be saying to the people from the word of the Lord. He's been sent. Isaiah 6 is his great sending where he answers the call of God. And after seeing the heavenly vision uh, and the angel taking a coal from the altar and touching his lips, symbolizing his purity and his sin is taken away and he's commissioned to go. And he accepts the call of God and he says, you will go and tell this people. Verse 9 said that. You may listen and listen, but you will not understand. You may look and look again, but you will never know. The people's wits are dulled, their ears are deafened, and their eyes blinded, so that they cannot see with their eyes, nor listen with their ears, nor understand with their wits, so that they may turn and be healed. Isaiah was prophesying that people's hearts are going to be so hard, their minds so dulled, their wits so dulled, that they're just, what's obvious, they're not going to see it. And what's obvious, they're not going to hear it. And they're not going to be healed. Be careful. Jesus is not saying. So Jesus says now, the parable is, uh, he says, so that seeing they may not understand and hearing they might, might not, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Jesus is not saying that God does not want them to hear and understand. What he's essentially saying is they won't. Isaiah said, they just won't. Wow, that's a scary warning there. That it's possible in this life to live in such a way that we become so hard that we just don't hear and understand what is obvious and obvious right before us. Now, let's look at the, the, the soils as Jesus explains them. What is the pathway? The paths that the seed falls along. In Israel, these are the, these, there's the roadways, okay, and there are paths that are tiled off, if you will, or sectioned off, leading through different villages and places uh, up to homes. Not, not, unlike, not unlike our sidewalks, if you will. But the paths were pretty much as hard as the roads. Okay, They didn't have concrete, uh, of course. Um, they were pretty much as hard as the roads. And there's, there's a layering of dirt, of dust, but it's pretty much hard. And, and he's saying that when this falls on a pathway, there's nowhere for it to go, but the birds of the air come along and they snatch it up. And he even says that represents, now he's explaining the metaphor. He's explaining this allegory. That represents the devil, Satan, who comes and snatches away the truth that is right before our eyes. The truth that has fallen on the sidewalk right in front of us. And the devil snatches it away. The seed, first of all, he says, the seed is the word of God. And the ones along the path are those who have heard. I'm going to come back to what it means that it's the word of God. I'm going to come back to that. But the ones along the path are those who have heard. 
So it's not that they didn't hear. It's not that they didn't get a chance. But the devil just comes and snatches it away from their hearts, Jesus says. I think that's important to note. It fell. When we hear, when they heard it, they received it. Okay, it says the devil snatched it from their hearts. So evidently their heart was like the pathway that was hard. So that it wouldn't sink in, that it wouldn't take root, that it wouldn't flourish, that it wouldn't produce fruit. So the devil can easily snatch it away. That's number one. And number two, some of it, he says, Jesus says, falls on the rocks. These are they who have, when he, they hear the word, they hear the gospel, they hear the good news, and they receive it with joy. That looks beautiful. But as they receive it with joy, he says, they have no root. They believe it for a while, but then fall away in a time of temptation. In other words, when things get tough. Because they have no root to the joyful word they received, it falls away. It's, it's, it's taken away. Now, the rocks, it just doesn't grow. Okay. Now, it's important for us to understand what we're seeing happening before our eyes in this parable is, is not some just careless loss. It's, it's from, uh, it, it's the devil snatching it away. Okay, there's two powers always at work in this world, good and evil. And we're to enter into the work of the kingdom on the side of good. And if we're not on the side of good, we're on the side of evil. Now, as it's taken away, here, here's the rocks. Let, let's think about this. Obviously, it was received. It started to grow, but there was no root. And when times got tough, it was taken away easily. It withered away is, is literally what's happening here. It says they have no root and while they uh, believe for a while and in temptation then fall away. If you uh, you have cracks in your uh, concrete, your sidewalk or driveway, there's, uh, there's cracks meant to keep the whole slab from, it's poured into different sections so that it doesn't create too much stress and unevenness in the concrete pad. And there's always a little bit of dirt in there. That's a good example of how this seed, you know, it'll fall in there and it might spring up. You see it in seven, eight, ten days later, a little seed of grass is coming up, but it will not live because right below the dirt is just a layer of rock, a layer of concrete that is not going to let it grow. It cannot take root. Now, number three, Jesus says, as for those that fall among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by the cares and riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Again, that little phrase, and their fruit does not mature, tells us they didn't just hear, they received it. Remember number two, received it with joy? Remember number one, uh, it, it just, uh, it was taken from their hearts. Number two, they received it with joy and it fell away in temptation. In each of these cases, it's not as if they didn't have a chance to hear and understand because they received it, it went to their heart, but then the heart wasn't prepared right. It was either hardened like the path, rocky like the, the rock of the ground, 
or full of thorns. The thorns are the weeds of life. These, and he identifies these weeds of life as even the cares and riches, not just the bad things, not just the cares and the worries and the struggles, but even the riches and the pleasures of life become thorns to us if they take the place of the joy of the word of God in our life. That's what he's saying is happening here. So their fruit does not mature. There's some fruit. It starts to bud. They have a faith, but it doesn't mature. So we've seen three different kinds of people, three different kinds of soil that people that are represented by this allegorical soils. The pathway, the rocky way, and the thorny way. But there's a fourth. Jesus is very careful to show us the fourth. He says, and as for that in the good soil. There are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bring forth fruit with patience. Let's take that apart. That's real important. First of all, they hear. Second of all, we know they receive because they're holding on to what they receive. They're holding it fast. There's an activity in their life with this gospel message. It's precious to them. So they're holding it fast. Fast means tight. Not going to let it slip away by the devil. Not going to let him snatch it away. Not going to let it just get choked out by the thorns that are in all lives. They're holding it fast. And then in an honest and a good heart. This soil is ready, it's prepared, it's rich, it's deep, it's not just shallow on the top of a layer of bedrock. And it brings forth, they then bring forth fruit with patience. Boy, don't forget, with patience. Why the patience? Because life is full of thorns and rocks and hard times. We've got, we must have patience with the fruit we must let it mature. And when it comes to maturity, it's amazing. Our lives are in the process of transformation. Now, a couple of points that I want to make here. I was playing that song earlier. I, I, Come as you are. Love that song. I talked to you about it. So there were a couple of things I wanted you to hear. In the, the beginning, the, the, the premise of that song, it says, come as you are. I think that's beautiful, but I think it's incomplete. I think one of the problems we have in our world today is we're, churches are busily preaching come as you are. I mean, just come as you are. Well, you don't have to change to come to, to Jesus. And that's true. You don't have to change to come. But once you come, you have to change. You have to change if you want to say. And that's what Jesus is preaching in this parable here. It is come as you are, but don't stay as you are. That's what I wanted to say to you in comparison to that song. Don't stay as you are. Because if you stay as you are, even though you hear and receive and understand the joy, and oh, good, I'm saved. I love this gospel. I love Jesus. But if you stay as you are, it won't last. That's what Jesus is warning them. It will not last in your life. The cares of the world will choke it away. The devil will come and take it away. Now, the other part of that song, 
lay down your heart. It says lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. I think it's, I think I love the image of laying down our hearts. That's what Jesus is asking us to do here. Lay down your heart so that it can be prepared. Okay? Don't just keep it bound up and busy with life, but that it can be prepared, that it can be tilled like good, rich soil, that it can be uh, nourished by the 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 fruit of the faith by the, the by the depth of the faith i mean that the nourishment let me say a word here about about our the christian faith and how it nurtures us things like the sacraments of our faith the holy communion that we participate in as christians that we that we receive from the hand of god the bread of life the cup of salvation these are, these are meant to nourish the soil of our heart. I think that's one of the most beautiful metaphors uh, that I can give you for Holy Communion. It is not a ritual to be observed only. It is a food to be received perpetually. Hi, Chip joined us. Thanks for joining in, Chip. One of the great saints of the early ages, uh, he, uh, it was, I believe it was Saint, I want to say it was Saint Irenaeus. It might have been Ignatius. It's one of those guys whose name began with an I. He said, speaking of Holy Communion, he said, it is the medicine of immortality. The me- you want to live forever? Receive the medicine of God that nourishes your soul. And he was speaking of the, the Eucharist, the Holy Communion, the sacramental uh, worship of God with the bread and the wine. So, we must nurture the heart. Lay down your hurts. Lay down your heart. Come as you are, as the song says. But don't stay as you are. Don't stay. The real parable message here is don't stay as you are. In other words, and Jesus says this as he he brings forth a second parable here, okay? A very short one. And and he's throwing it down as a comparison to what he's already taught. See, no one, after lighting a lamp, puts something over it or puts it in an out-of-the-way place where nobody can see the light from it. This was really important. This was vivid to them. See, we don't have that choice. We walk into a room, we flip a light switch. We turn on a lamp. And it's already sitting on the table. It's sitting on the stand. It's sitting on the, It's anchored to the ceiling, the walls. But in that day, light was precious. And light had to be uh, gotten. They needed to have a lamp. They needed to fill it with oil. They needed to light it. And then in order to have light, they needed to set it in the middle of the room on a lampstand, somewhere where it could light what they're doing. Because without it, the world around them was dark. And darkness was something to be feared. It is something to be feared. We know that instinctively. But light is something to rejoice in. And so no one does that with the light. And what is he saying? He's saying the gospel that I'm giving you, the gospel of the kingdom of God, is the light of the world. You've got to let it shine. 
See, that's what we have to do. We have to be active. He goes on to say in verse 18, look with me at verse 18. These are some of the most important words of this passage. Don't miss these words. Take heed then how you hear. Not what you hear. How you hear. Are you going to hear the gospel of the kingdom of God, the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ is Savior, that Jesus Christ is King, are you going to hear that with a heart that you're willing to prepare, that you're willing to nourish, that you're willing to till, that you're willing to de-weed? Okay, the weeds are going to creep in, but you've got to pull them out. Can't stop the weeds of life the cares of life from trying to choke out the joy of the gospel. We can't stop it from happening. It's part of creation. It's part of the fall of creation, okay? The weeds. Every time I mow my grass and every time I, I think about the weeds when I'm trying to grow grass and all the weeds in a flower bed, I think, oh, God, what well, this is curse. This is the curse of creation because of this, the fall of man, you know. It wasn't supposed to have thorns and weeds, but it does, and you can't stop it. So are you going to to take your heart and, and hear. So take heed then how you hear. Hear with activity. Be an active listener, not a passive listener. Let's think about that in the context of church. When you go to church, whether right now that's in your living room, watching it on streaming, live streaming, and, and I know there are some people that are doing that, and I understand that, but I'm praying you get back into a church soon. Well, whether you're in church, are you passively just listening? You know, let's just kick back. Yeah, it's sermon time. Let's kick back and let's just listen to this guy preach and let's see what he can say. You know, we're just going to listen. Or are you active? Are you, do you have a pen? Do you have a paper? Do you have a journal book? Do you have your word? scriptures and, and and are you trying to actively hear Jesus says take heed how you hear and active hearing is critical to living a victorious life it's absolutely critical it's a proven scientific fact that if we take notes in some way shape or form we remember more than 50% of what we would if we hadn't taken notes that's huge that is huge. That's why I know there's a few brainiacs that are maybe, uh, you know, just geniuses who don't have to take notes. But most of us don't fall into that category. I have to take copious notes. Uh, it's one of the ways I learn. If, if I, something that's simple on, in a work or in a job, if, like how you do something, somebody can show me how to do it and that helps me. But if I don't do it all the time, I better have written down how to do it. So then I go back, okay, now how did I do that? Oh, this is how I do it. Step one, step two, step three. That's just the way I learn. But that's why they print manuals. That's why they do anything and in, in actively listening. We want to be open in, in the way we hear. Okay, what does that mean? These, these are just my, I'm giving you a few points here. Uh, Jesus said, take heed how you hear. Make sure you hear in an active way, make sure you hear in an open way. What does it mean to be open? 
Jennifer said, good lesson. Be careful how you hear. Thanks. I'm glad you, you're catching that point. Hi, Rhonda. Thanks for joining in. What does it mean to say, take heed that you're open when you hear? Open, I think this refers to our heart. When we hear something, it's amazing how automatically when we hear something, we judge it. We think, that isn't right. Oh, that's not right. No, that can't be. That's not what I've always taught. That's not what I've always thought. It's amazing how often we do that. Just think about it. Okay? But if we're open, okay, that's what the people did. When they heard Jesus talking about the kingdom of God and it didn't match their view of the kingdom of God, and what they expected to come, they immediately said, this ain't right. This, this can't be. And they missed it. They missed salvation, they missed joy, they missed healing, they missed everything. So, open, open heart, open heart, open mind, okay? Those two things are huge. Open heart and open mind. Okay, learning, hear as a learner. Take heed to hear as a learner. Don't hear only. Don't take notes only. Don't just be active, but learn. How do we learn from what we are hearing? By going back to it, by reading it again, by meditating on it, and by putting what God is saying to us into practice. That's how we do it. That's how we learn. And in those things, if we'll learn with actively, if we'll learn openly, if we'll, if we'll learn to learn, we're actually preparing ourselves to learn more. Now we see the ground, the soil, that produces a hundredfold because it's being nourished, because it's going to church, because it's receiving the beauty, beautiful food of the, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, because it is reading the Word of God, because it is taking notes in study and sermon and message and actively praying and participating in the life of God so that the soil is continually being nourished. And there's no end to what the gospel can produce in the life that is, in the soil that is, that is nourished. Um, so, Jesus' words, final warning, take heed how you hear. Because, and then he says because, mine doesn't say because, but it was for, for him, for to him who has, more will be given. And to him who has not, what he thinks he has will be taken away. Those are the final words that we're studying today. What do those mean? Well, first we have to ask the question, for to him who has, what is Jesus talking about that we have? For to him who has, has what? Money? Not necessarily, although that's part of it. Will more be given? Has the truth that has the open, meditating, caring, learning, active, listening heart. To him who has the good soil, more will be given. In other words, to him who has the soil that is prepared to hear, that is doing something about what they hear, that is active about it, then more will be given. But to him who has not, in other words, to him who has the hard heart, 
to him who has already thinks they've figured out everything. And notice it says to what he thinks that he has. Thinks he's got it figured out. Thinks he's got, thinks he understands. You know, hey, I grew up in church. I know the Bible. I was taught. I know it. There's nothing new you can teach me. Because that does, what you're saying doesn't line up with what I've always learned. That's a bad attitude. It's a bad place to be. Remember the Bereans in the Gospel of, I mean, the, the Gospel of Luke Part 2, the, the Acts of the Apostles? Remember the Berean? They studied, they searched, they wanted to line it up and see if it, they didn't just say, hey, that's not what we were told. They considered, they thought, they meditated, they learned, they studied. That's what we want to be. Because Jesus says, if we don't, we're going to lose it all. If we don't prepare our hearts for the truths of the kingdom of God, the mysteries of the kingdom of God, and he says to those who will follow him, it's granted to you to know these mysteries. We'll lose it all if we don't. Now, I want to close today with this thought. Jesus said the seed was the word of God. If we're not careful, we miss the mystery. We think that he means the Bible. That's what we think he means. Because, hey, we worship the Bible practically. I mean, we... I love the Bible. It is the word of God. But it's not the word of God Jesus is talking about. Okay? The Bible didn't even exist in its form. It was scrolls, precious scrolls kept in synagogues from the Old Testament days. New Testament hadn't even been written. What's he talking about? He doesn't mean the written word. He doesn't even mean the written scrolls of Isaiah. Because if he meant that, he would have used a Greek word here that says graphene. G-R-A-P-H-I-E-N. The Greek word graphene means writings. Okay, we get graffiti from it to, to, to do graffiti. Jesus doesn't say that the, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. He uses the word here, logos. Luke says this is the logos. Jesus, John teaches us Jesus is the logos the word of God. Logos, that Greek word, L-O-G-O, which means, or L-O-G-O-S, which means the very mind, the very wisdom, the very essence of God in human form. Christ and all his essence is the seed. That's, mis that's mystical. That's beautiful, but it's mystical. So when we come to worship, when we worship every day of our lives, we're worshiping in the, partaking in the mystical body of Christ. When we come to the table of the Lord at worship service to receive the elements of the body and blood of Jesus, we are partaking of the mystical, of the logos, the one mystical true body of Christ. When we read the written word, and the Holy Spirit brings it alive to our heart. We're receiving the logos of God. We're participating. As Peter the Apostle says, we have become participators of the divine 
nature. Wow, I got goosebumps. Jennifer, you're right. Wow, I, I, I've got goosebumps. This is so important. This is so important. We've got to quit thinking of Christianity as just this creed to be memorized and believed. It is a life of Christ in which we participate and live. And if we do that, we're changed. We're transformed and the world can't help but notice. And we're not perfect at it. I'm reminded many times that as a man of God, a man of the cloth, a preacher, a pastor, I fail miserably. But God have mercy on me. God have mercy on you. Because we are human and we fail, we fall. But my heart is open. My heart is active. My heart is soil that wants to be rich and wants to be nourished. Is yours? That's what I'm asking you today. What kind of soil do you have? Where are you in this story? You think you got it all figured out? (laughs) Those are the ones the devil snatched it away from. (laughs) And the thorns choked it out. Well, I'm out of time. Got to get to work. Uh, Thanks for sharing Bible study with me today. Wow. If, if this has been a blessing to you, do me a favor. Share it with a friend. You can, when this posts, you can share this with a friend. I mean, we're living in a, in a time where it's very difficult for Brad Riley Ministries to be out there because I can't go into churches and speak, but we can do it online. Share it with a friend. Invite a friend to be a part of it. Share it. They can listen to it at any time if they can't be on here live, but share it. I appreciate that when you do that. Um, amen. Amen. Help us, Lord. Would you bow your heads and receive God's blessing as we pray to close our time. Father God, thank you for each person on this live stream today and for all who will ever see it. Help us to lay down our burdens, to lay down our hurts, to come as we are with our hearts in our hands, laying them down to you and being changed by the power of the life of Christ, the word, the Logos, in whose name I pray this blessing. The name above all names, Jesus, our Lord, your Son, who lives with you, Father, and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Amen. Go and Be blessed. You're welcome.